0: Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike as we navigate topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. If you'd like to hear more, head to nwaybway.com. Hello, hello, Way to Broadway. Um, I am so excited to be with you today. I'm. Um, this is so fun. I love doing these talkbacks. This is something we introduced in season four, so last season, um, and we have a very special guest on our show today. Her name is Bethany Allen. She is the pastor of spiritual formation and leadership development at Bridgetown Church, and if you've been listening to Way to Broadway for any amount of time, you've absolutely heard me. Probably reference some of their sermons, some of their ministry. A lot of you know that I was in a house church um, over COVID, and we watched Bridgetown every week. They're they're located in Portland. Um, they've been there for a little while. So I'm just Bethany's. You know, ministry has been a huge part of my life for the last couple of years, and I had the opportunity to stalk her on Instagram, and then eventually get to talk to her over Zoom, and she agreed to come on the podcast. So Bethany, I want you to share with the people. what I found out the first time we talked, which is that you actually have a pretty serious theater background. So I would love for you to just say, Hey, and, and share with the people. Yeah. Who you are other than, you know, your pastoral role now, your, your history in in theater.
1: Yeah. So happy to, man. And I'm so happy to be on this podcast. What an honor to get to, to join in. I love, who knew this? I didn't know this existed. And then I was like, Holy crap, I have to listen. (laughs) this podcast and get it in my life. So thank you for having me. I'm definitely honored to get to be with you. And yeah, I mean, a uh, strong history. My mom is a performer and was a baller, you know, prima ballerina back in the seventies and then, um, did, you know, she's a choreographer and did theater for many years. And then that looped us into kind of my sister and I into that world as well. So my mom owned a conservatory performing arts, um, when I was younger and we were part of that. So we did, you know, all the basics, the tap jazz ballet, musical theater classes, acting classes, voice lessons, all of that. And then, um, and then we started doing repertoire theater in our community. So I was doing that for a few years and, um, loved every second of it. And the truth is, It was like, obviously, I can see God's hand in it now where I'm like, wow, I'm really prepared to be in front of people, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. share and to speak and to be articulate. I can still hear my acting coach in my head when I'm teaching sometimes. Um, But also, I remember a distinct moment where I just um, decided to go this way into ministry and into this kind of kingdom work as opposed to doing theater. So I just have a deep, deep love for uh, the arts in this world and this realm. And um, yeah, I think it's still deeply connected to how I'm inspired and how I um, yeah, how, how even creativity is formed in me as someone who gets to create on a regular basis. So
0: yeah, yeah. huge fan. That's, That's so encouraging. I love it. I, it's so fun for me to hear that. it's it's funny when you watch someone on any kind of like stage or any who has any platform. it's always this weird sixth sense where I didn't know for sure, but you can kind of be like, they're, they're one of me, like they're one of us. Yeah. (laughs) You can just kind of tell from how, you know, articulation or like delivery and stuff like that. So yeah, I spent a year basically watching you and the rest of your team give, yeah, sermons online. And I just remember being like, there's something about that, Bethany. She's She's got to have training of some She's kind. a Trained woman. She's a trained woman, which is. I so don't know encouraging. if it's that
1: distinguishable, but uh, I appreciate that. And you know, it all—it all you use everything, you use every bit yeah. of what you learned in everyday life. So it's a
0: gift. Yeah, Totally, I love it. Well, speaking of, um, yeah, just theater in general. I think I didn't even introduce which show we're going to be talking about, so we got to build this suspense for the last three and a half yeah. minutes while people wait <laughs> in here. But yeah. we're going to be talking about. Dear Evan Hansen today, which is, gosh, I mean, this show is so, like, complex. Yeah. Um, I saw it alone on Broadway with Andrew Barth Feldman playing Evan, who's the kid who won the Jimmy. So I saw, like, an actual wow. high school high schooler play the role and it's so interesting like i don't know if you've ever had this experience bethany but when you like see a show by yourself it's like a very spiritual experience it was my very senior year in college so. yep. and i was like i this is like a thin space so
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i would when did you so what has been your experience with the show did you see the movie like what's mm-hmm. what's your yeah your location with it
1: well i mean history wise you know i mean it's been around for a couple of years. So it's not, if you're in anywhere in proximity to any of the theater world, you're like, I know what this is. I kind of know what this is about. And it wasn't until I think it wasn't, I mean, so I knew the premise and I think it was at the right before COVID or during COVID that I downloaded the soundtrack like you do, because, you know, you're just like, let me get a hold of this before I actually see the show. And right. I just fell in love. Like, I just was without even seeing it, which is really bad form. Like, you should really go see it live and all <laughs> of that. But we were right on the, you know, I was on the brink of COVID. And so we weren't doing any of that. Um, mm-hmm. And I just leaned into to the soundtrack and memorized it. And I'm a huge fan of Ben Platt. So I, you know, just yeah, from, from beginning to end. Then I just read everything I could and devoured it. And then went and saw the movie when it came out because we were permitted to do that. So I've never seen it right. actually live, which is really um, disappointing. And I know yeah. the movie had lots of negative reviews. I, it was interesting to read the contrast. But um, yeah. but the music, I think for me, and the complexity like you are talking about, there's, there's such a layered effect to this show that mm-hmm. I felt like was so impactful. And you know, you, you said it before, like, but had, had spiritual connotations that I think were and are representing a collective ache and a specifically generationally an ache, you know? And so it just, it brought me right in and then connected in my own life, in my own ways, like theater does and impacted me in a way that I think brought just more clarity and healing on my own journey.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, well, let's. I I just want to have you keep going with that. I think the <laughs> listeners know this. We go moment for moment with these talkbacks, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the the ball to you. So tell me okay. about a moment, a lyric, a a portion of the show that yeah that definitely had a spiritual impact or had a spiritual implication on you as you watched it.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna start with the lowest hanging fruit for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I'll work backwards. So it's actually at the end of the film or towards the end of the film when, um, No, I'm going to forget. Oh, yes. When Evan, no, I'm trying to remember his mother's name. Um, it was like Heidi or something when Evan is sitting with his mom at the end and, Mm -hmm. um, she's like, everything's coming to light for her, you know, and he's, he's -hmm. just totally broken and devastated. And she sings that song, um. So big and so small. Do you know? And I don't uh, know if you're familiar yes. with it. And um, it was in that, I mean, I was weeping and then, <laughs> I had already been crying the entire show. And then I just began to weep. My best friend was saying nice to me. She's like, oh God, like, this is a lot. Like, and she was like, I'm, she like put her hand on me. She's like, I know this is a lot. Um, and part of that just connects to my story. So, you know, um, while my mom was in theater, we did all of that. My dad was a pastor. Um, but, uh, my mom left our family when I was 14 and I didn't really have contact with her again until I was 21. So I had this Mm -hmm. massive gap of an absentee parent that, um, when those lyrics were sung and, Mm -hmm. um, and my mom since has returned and there's this massive healing miracle story. That's Mm -hmm. the truth. She's one of my best friends uh, to this day. Um, but when I saw that on the screen, it was like, I was instantly brought back to the depth of that sense of abandonment and loss and Mm -hmm. how desperately I would have wanted to hear my mom say those things, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, on the reverse side, it was about his dad, but I could connect immediately in really, really tangible ways that I just haven't in, you know, 15 years connected to, um, some of the depth of those emotions, and it just—it was healing in that my story was different, but it was also impactful and relieving. Like there was a release that was happening in that that space for me personally. Of like, this was my brokenness. This was my experience, and yeah. there's beauty in it, you know. And there has been beauty in it. So it was that, and then you know that always connects to me to that larger scale of like, um, of, of the the human ache, and particularly a generation who's felt abandoned by their parents, by that, um, yeah. you know, by people yeah. who were meant, always meant to love them, but couldn't because of their own brokenness. yeah. And yeah, so I think in that, it was like, I was asking myself questions of like, what are the invitations as I identify, you know, and the premise of the whole show is this concept of pain and brokenness and what we do with that yeah. and how we respond yeah. to it. And he responded, you know, in the ways that he knew how, or he thought would remedy it But nothing remedies that ache, but the Lord, you know, and so it made me think of um, one of my favorite scriptures, which is Psalm 73, that just says, you know, my my heart, my flesh may fail me, but the Lord is the Mm -hmm. strength of the portion of my life. And um, yeah, so I just kind of came back to that. So that was one of my big moments where I was like, there's Mm -hmm. so much complexity to what's happening emotionally. There's this healing from this mom, reiterating the truth about who this kid is. And Mm -hmm. this kid is offering up some of his most vulnerable. And I think one of his initial woundings, it's like, it's almost like we, the, the layers are peeled back and we see the source of his initial belief system about why he believes he's less than, you know, it's because there's this dad narrative. So it's almost like the gut punch of the whole movie where you're like, that's, there's at least a part of it of why he believes, you know, why he, how he views himself in the world is connected to this. It started a long time ago, you know? So
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and then the lyric, I mean, the lyric that is just like so, I mean, all of it is so heartbreaking when she sings the song, but I think the lyric that I just remember hearing was um, when she says like, that night I tucked you into bed, I'll never forget how you sat up and said, is there another truck coming in the driveway, a truck that will take mommy away? Yeah. And I think it's like it was already starting, like this idea of like the normalcy of abandonment or the of, like, this is just this kid's reality, you know? It's like, oh, okay, well, a truck came and dad left. So, like, is there another one coming? And I think that that actually Mm – I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about, like, all of Pasek and Paul's work. I think sometimes it's kind of basic. But I think in in this sense, it's the simplicity of, like, conveying the actual thought pattern of a child was so spot on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually think – and this is a good kind of transition into, like, kind of the moment – that is that is similarly complex, but like ha- totally has to do with this idea of so big, so small. Is that it? It makes it makes perfect sense that sort of the culmination of this whole show, sort of like the encouragement that we're given at the end, is the song like "You Will Be Found," which is yeah. interesting because like you know you hear that you hear this heartbreaking thing of like oh Evan, you know. Because of all of these events that happened in his life, the his he feels like this only way out, which you find out later is to like jump out of this tree, you know and like his whole mm-hmm. idea is like, will anyone come and find me? Um, and I just think about the theme, which is interesting because it's almost weird to hear like this anthem sung at the end of the show because
1: mm-hmm.
0: actually no one no one went and found him. like yeah. he was alone. and I think that that's where, there's this – we talked about this in the Spring Awakening episode of like sometimes I think a show displays actually the the lack of answers that the world can give us because mm-hmm. it's like it, – when it's not connected to scripture or like when it's not connected to like Jesus is our savior, which like of course like no show actually does that, we're left kind of feeling a little bit unsatisfied because yeah. you hear like – these anthems of like yes he was like abandoned and then like he has all this anxiety and he like tries to take his own life and he's never found no one sees him and then we just kind of like here you will be found and it's like well he wasn't found and i think it reminds me of just this theme like all throughout scripture and like ezekiel 34 and uh luke 19 when it talks about like the son of man has come to seek and save which is lost i just think about this idea of jesus like chasing after us which is the opposite of abandoning us and I'm like oh my gosh like if someone I always think about like which is so cheesy and silly but I always think about like what if Evan like what if I was Evan's like like friend at school or like Mm -hmm. what if I was what like would me inviting Evan to like talk to a spiritual mentor or like, what would I say to him? And I think that like his need and like you said earlier, his ache is so wrapped up in just wanting to be sought. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I, I think that that's something that totally just this so big, so small perspective conversation is, Yeah. I mean, you can see like this is a core memory of like people leave, I will be yeah. gone or I will be abandoned. Like, yeah. Yeah. And and
1: that deeper ache that deep, I mean, we all have it. We all want to be seen. That's like a core human desire and we all want to be wanted. And, you know, I think, I think I love, um, your connection to like, you know, Jesus and, and Ezekiel 34 of Yahweh being the great shepherd who goes after the sheep Mm -hmm. and fiercely. Like, I think, I think you're right. What was so interesting about that show is how it ends like you just feel sad still it's almost yeah. like you know his the ending of the show it's not really the resolution you want it's not big no. enough to swallow up his ache and the journey you've been on with him and mm-hmm. yet it's very human aside from mm-hmm. the intersection of the gospel or jesus entering into those but you know like aside from mm-hmm. the spiritual rescue <laughs> mm-hmm. that's it and it, yeah. it's stark. It's so um, I think wonderfully stark and wonderfully uncomfortable. And yeah. I think I think you're right. I think it's so it's so extraordinary that it ends without him being found and and him not mm-hmm. getting the things and fitting into the places where he really wanted to fit. You know, I mean, he's got this yeah. mediocre. I'm going to community college and paying my way kind of thing. But that's yeah. that's okay. You know, it's just it's yeah. not the redemptive whole. So I think even the other highlight of that is like it shows what we can do, like what we can access and, and do ourselves or do for ourselves, but it definitely doesn't show the redemptive yeah. heroic yeah. work of the spirit, you know? No. And, and it's a, it's a distinction for sure. Yeah. And it involves, yeah. I think that evokes questions and in theory invitations to search yeah. for something else, you know?
0: Right. Which is all he wants anyway, which is all he wants anyway. And kind yeah. of is like reflective of that's all we want. I think that's what's so interesting. Like the lyrics, I I pulled them up. Like the you be you will be found lyrics are like, it it just feels like it's almost there but not quite in our ache as like you know, it opens with these questions of, like, have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt mm-hmm. forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever mm-hmm. felt like you could disappear, like you would fall and no one would hear? Which mm-hmm. were, is, like, this theme that he begins with is, like, if you're falling in a forest and there's nobody around, do you mm-hmm. ever really crash or even make a sound? Like, all he wants to do, like, waving through a window. It's this picture of him, mm-hmm. like, his whole life is, like, does anybody see me? Is anybody yeah. waving back at me? And
1: I'm I invisible. think, like, yeah,
0: yeah, I'm invisible. And and I think that's so hard – what's so hard about the – almost the solution that the show gives is like ju- – I mean, the, the advice is like let that lonely feeling wash away. Maybe there's a reason to believe you'll be okay because when you don't feel strong enough to stand, you can reach out your hand and someone will come running. Mm-hmm. And it's like, gosh, it's like, okay, but like what have we seen really in this show to make us believe that like that's true Right, And I feel, I feel like this is actually one thing. I think when, it, when a show leaves us feeling unresolved, I think that that shows us something really deep about like our souls um, mm-hmm. and really deep. And I think that there's two ways a lot of stories end. One is through like a really quick wrap up, like all is forgiven, tie around the bow, sing a mega mix and like, it's great. Yep. Or there's this like ending that doesn't feel reconciled it doesn't feel you know it doesn't feel like everything is wrapped up so it feels human but it doesn't feel redeemed and i think that shows yeah. like our ache just for the garden and i know that um yeah like i would love to know like how that kind of manifested in your story this like this seven year gap between yeah. you know abandonment and then this miracle like this miraculous reconnection and and like healing that took place like what was it like for you to exist between mm-hmm. like abandonment but also hope and not only hope that like i'm sure that your mom would return and that you would have a relationship with her but like hope and trust in like the lord's ability to do that on the outside always looking in will i ever be more than i've always been because i'm tap tap tapping on the glass waving through a window I've learned to slam on the brake before I even turn the key before I make the mistake before I lead with the worst yeah yeah
1: (laughs) It's a great question. <laughs> um, I'll say a couple of things come to mind and certainly I won't, I probably won't be able to include everything. Um, but I think one, it felt that way. So I think, you know, that I love it. It's almost like, you know, this, this you will be found is such a central, you know, it's the crescendo of, mm-hmm. of the show. Just like with Lamez, mm-hmm. Miz, you have, you know, particular, there's just, there's things that you're instantly, the audience knows, like we're all here. We're all in this. And I think, yeah, Yeah, I think there's such a reverb of the ache in that. And I think for me, um, you know, a couple of factors existed that were really helpful. In the middle space, because of the kingdom of God and because of the people of God, I wasn't, I was, my hand when reached out in the theme of the lyrics was found. Like I had a Mm. few really strong spiritual mothers who came after me like a force. And our church community and it's not typical, you know, we were a mega church and my dad was not the lead pastor, but he was a pastor. Normally for something like that, you're out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. normally, yeah. unfortunately, that's how it's worked. But this, our church family rallied and it was mm-hmm. like, you're not going anywhere. Um, you're not alone and we're with you. And I remember even those spiritual mothers saying to me like, this isn't your whole life. This is a mm-hmm. moment you've got to decide what to do with it. So already... Yeah the gift of the community of God was that these women were calling out a future that I couldn't see in the midst of my hopelessness. Like Mm -hmm. they were saying there's like other days coming. And so you've got Mm -hmm. to be ready for that. This is a moment. This isn't the whole thing. So how then now shall you live? Um, Mm -hmm. And that was, that saved my life without Mm -hmm. a doubt. I think the presence of the family of God and it's when and why is like a caveat here, why I chose ministry because I said, Mm -hmm. if this is the kingdom of God, I want it. And I want to be a part yep. of it because this yep. is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so that, that was helpful. I felt all the garbage things that, you know, these characters felt too. You know, you feel yeah. like you have to do that wrestling at an existential and an internal level of like, do I matter? Do I exist in the world? <laughs> like where do I exist yeah. in the world? Yeah. You know, your family structure and your place in it has dissolved and that and that's people are impacted in, you know, in that way, a million times a day through a million different set of circumstances. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was pretty, there were hopeless moments to the degree that there was pain and loss and devastation. And the paradox of the kingdom is that because the Lord loved me, (laughs) because he loves Mm me, Mm -hmm. even in the bleakest moments, and I mean like biting down on a pillow, weeping and sobbing at night, hoping my dad won't hear me. Um, And crying out to God for mercy, I, you know, there was still the withness of God. And that told me like that not only could my circumstances change, but that they were changing, (laughs) but his his presence changed something about who I am in my reality. And so there was an assurance there, but you, right. you still have to, you know, the thing you can't ignore is the reality of your human side. So the human flesh part of you is like, I'm dying. And yeah. then, there, you know, then, then the spirit part is the buoy that says, like, there's more than this. So fix right. your eyes on the hills where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And it's those kind of declarations that I think really sustained me. I, I learned the Psalms in a way that I... Um, just never had in that season and I just clung yeah. to the words of David in wow. desperation and in moments of joy and in the expectation that the same God I was talking about or reading about in these petitions from the writer of the Psalms like is the same God who could rescue my mom and yeah you know and and you know it reframed what is most important which I also think yeah you see in these kind of spaces or you see in a show like this, yeah. even where you go like, what is most important? It's the relationships in your life, you know, and obviously I yeah. would say a relationship with the Lord, but that matters more than what you're wearing to prom, you know, at the time for me or whatever, or where you're going to go to college or, and those are big things, but yeah. not as big as, um, yeah, kind of the reframing you get. So I felt hopeless in the generic sense of that word, the human sense of the word, but I never felt that I was without hope and mm-hmm. so i think i could, i could relate in in a way that the show really brought me back to my trauma <laughs> that's the yeah. i mean i wrote it down earlier just like his trauma and you know all that was birthed out of that trauma particularly his anxiety um mm-hmm. yeah was something was and i think is relatable to everyone who watches the show
0: yeah yeah, That's so true. You were found. I mean, you were just sought. Yeah. Like the promise, that promise was like true for David and it was true for you. That's mm-hmm. like so amazing and powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, like your hand was met with like the hand of the Lord. I think that's like so amazing. Um, Yeah, it was massive. Okay, I'd love to know if you have a second moment.
1: Yeah. I do. Give I mean, me a moment. This one I'm, this one I'm debating about um, cause we've kind of hit on some of it, mm-hmm. but, um, let me see if I can, if I can decide which one can I just be, is this, does this have to be intellectually wonderful or can it just be a moment that I was like, Oh, I can relate.
0: This is no, personal.
1: Can I go there? Yeah, I'd, go there. What are the, what are the listeners going to do? They may just turn have to turn it off. I don't know. I think I had the, one of the distinct, distinct moments for me was that if I could tell her, you know, um. when. Ben Platt is singing uh, to Zoe or whatever, and they're in her room. And um, yeah, I think, or no, they're not. They're in the kitchen. I think it's that one. Yeah, they're in the kitchen? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. I like the only us too, cute and wonderful. But right. yeah. If I could mm-hmm. tell her, I think, I think in in the way that I was impacted by that one in particular, that moment for me was, I've felt that way a lot in my mm-hmm. life as a, you know, as a woman in the kingdom of God, where they're in, not even just in the romantic sense, but in other ways of like, if I could just tell someone what I really want to tell them, you know, if mm-hmm. I could, you've, I think we all feel the limitations of like our ability to tell people what we want to truly say to them. And whether mm-hmm. it was like my inability to articulate or my courage or whatever it was, I don't know. I just related at a deep level to the tension of mm-hmm. wanting to say something. I mean, even mm-hmm. from the pulpit, you know, wanting to say something that that makes, that communicates the depths of what's happening inside of me, but not being mm-hmm. able to, you know, and yeah. having, I, I love how he, it's it's perfectly, I know it's kitschy. It's like a little like, of course, like this is how they would do it. Like my friend <laughs> likes you, you know, or whatever. It's your brother who said this. But I I think that's how we function a lot as humans. And for me, it was just a stand-up moment where I was like, yeah. I've had so Mm -hmm. many moments where I've held something and just wanted to share it freely, but couldn't or didn't, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to explain that moment, you know? And I've Mm -hmm. had it in romantic relationships, too, where I'm like, I want to be able to say these things, but I don't even Mm -hmm. know how, or I don't know where to start, or, you know? So that's the personal side of things where you're like, man, I really related to that right in my my human self you know
0: yeah do you think that like the lack or not lack but do you think that the what gets in the way of like having us say those things like do you think where is the balance of like not saying something because it's not helpful or useful Mm -hmm. and not saying something because we are just like fearful
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great question. It's so internal, that process, to some Mm -hmm. degree. You know, obviously, you can ask the generic questions of like, is this edifying? Is this going to build someone up? Is this going to add to someone as opposed to diminish Mm -hmm. them or undignify them in any way, which is a really helpful grid. But I also think, you know, for those moments where you're carrying something deep and deeply connected to the matters or the workings of your heart, for me, I think... I largely like to feel an invitation to do that, you know, Mm -hmm, from the spirit mm -hmm. before I do it, as opposed to just going like, I'm going to do this and see what happens. You know, and other people have different kind of ways of going about that. But I think, I think as a general rule, you can say almost anything and you want it to be edifying and building someone up. But when you're discerning whether to share something more deeply, like he was, like he was, he was wanting to share like, you know, in his own way, I love you. And I'm in love mm-hmm. with you.
0: <laughs> and
1: <laughs> if I could tell you, this is what I would say to you. I think in yeah. those moments in particular, at least for me, at this point in my life, it's like, do I have an invitation to do that? You know, because yeah. I don't know what's, I don't know how this, what, how this is going to land. If it's a good, you know, no one's going to be bummed that you tell them you love them. They're not, right. you know, that's obviously going to be at some level edifying, but mm-hmm. what does this, what does this translate to in their lives? And is mm-hmm. it going to be profitable or fruitful for you and mm-hmm. for them, you know? So yeah, I that's don't know. True. It's a tricky – I mean, it's not tricky. It's just a rub right. where there's a tension yeah. in our community of, like, it's two humans bumping up against each other going, like, I'm trying to do this right, you know, and I don't right. know.
0: Well, yeah. And, or, like, I think that our – I think what's hard, too, in that is that I think our culture really – i don't know if we actually do or if we just claim to but i think we really value like authenticity and honesty and vulnerability but then i think sometimes we can like for this like we can bypass the discernment process Mm -hmm. or the invitation process for the sake of like just general transparency totally um and i think that can get us into trouble sometimes like I mean, there have been so many times where I'll say something like, oh my gosh, this was me as a kid all the time. I was like, (laughs) my mom, my mom would like constantly get calls from like my teacher, not constantly, but like every once in a while, my mom would get a call from like one of my teachers or like one of the other girls' moms and they'd be like, your daughter said this in class today. And my response would always be like, mom, like everyone else was thinking it. But like, of course, I was the one to say it, and then I just remember that got me in so much trouble because because my little kid brain, like, I just genuinely couldn't understand that like, just because it was honest doesn't mean it was wise to like say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think I think there's still like a little bit a little part of me that like exists with that, but I also think that there's part of me now that like misses that part of me. I'm like, wow, I really just I felt so free. I didn't really care. thought about me I just felt free to be honest um and maybe my delivery was poor sometimes like I remember having to like (laughs) write this one girl like an apology note in third grade I don't know remember I think I think I honestly think I told her Santa Claus wasn't real which was so rude um but I, I don't know I like didn't know that she knew but like yeah it was true but it probably wasn't helpful um and I just yeah I feel like there's there's this tension that we have to exist in with like vulnerability and transparency and like wisdom too yeah. and humility um like maybe someone doesn't care what I have to say <laughs> they probably you know not not everybody probably does um so that's yeah interesting I think also in the spirit of that I think that song exists as like a microcosm of like a much larger theme in the show mm-hmm. which is just like lies or like deception or keeping things in the dark like I think obviously the show revolves around a lie um or not even like a lie just like a lack of um confession sort of or things like remaining in the dark and it's it's hard because you can see Evan struggling because like Connor's family is giving him what he always wanted and that he's giving them what they feel like they need at the time, which is like a son relationship, a knowledge of their son that they didn't have, but it's all based on this untruth. Um, so I, I would love to hear just kind of like your response to that when you watch the show, how you believe that that kind of translates to the, yeah, like the greater theme or even like the biblical theme, of things being left in the dark and kind of yeah what what your thoughts are on that
1: yeah i mean i i think it is to me um it is such a like you said earlier you referenced it but an edenic response so in mm. eden when we experienced, when there, the rupture happened in our humanity and like sin into the picture trauma into the picture pain into the picture whatever the disposition of adam and eve was to hide it was to <laughs> cover themselves and get hidden. And mm-hmm. um, so I think I think this story is a gross reflection of that. I think it is, like, on every level. You see the parents, like you said, trying to hide behind a consolation that's not actually a consolation. You know, mm-hmm. you see the sister um, trying to hide – Zoe, I think is her name – trying yes. to hide, you know, behind her anger and mm-hmm. – and to not really, like, what's, she's basically, like, in her Requiem, the Requiem song, she's, you know, she's basically saying, like, what's the point? Like, this mm-hmm. isn't, who are you really, all of that, you know? And, and then, obviously, yeah, Evan, who's just all over the place hiding, lying, you know, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, attempting suicide, all these really, really mm-hmm. huge things that are evidence of pain entering in and us mm-hmm. hiding. And hiding, Mm -hmm. hiding is the belief that somehow I can escape this, that somehow I can, I'll find, I'll buy more time or I'll find a way out of it. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think the only remedy, like we, at least we understand biblically is, is the Lord. (laughs) Lord, I love it. It's one of my favorite things about Yahweh in the scriptures is that he comes into the garden and he looks for them and he says, where are you? And what he's doing is restoring their dignity he's coming yeah. to them on their terms. He's not saying, "Well, you screwed up and you blew this." Like, he comes to their place of hiding and he calls them into the light. And yeah. so I think I think biblically we just see that we see that the interruption to the dysfunction in the show, the tension in the show is that things will be brought to light. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, there are these biblical principles of what's hidden will become unhidden, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I also think it is the remedy. The it is the thing that when the lights turn on it's the remedy to the darkness. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean I think that tension is all over the place, but I think, you know, the the impact for me is you re- we all relate to that because we all have our, our methods of hiding. We all have our places where we retreat. And the question mm-hmm. is like where do I retreat in similar ways? Or where have I felt the yeah. same disposition as Evan to right. to lean into a lie, whether it be about myself or about a circumstance or about someone else. So that's very easily entered into, but I also, for me, the tension is, like, what what was the pain behind it all, and why mm-hmm. did that provoke such a level of hiding, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think those are some of the yeah. thoughts initially, at least around mm-hmm. all of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, what do you think the answer to that question is, like, I think in this scenario? Do you think, because I don't think that Evan would initially confronted with, like, oh, are you going to clear this up about this letter, or are you just going to, like, see how it turns out I don't think he was sitting there being like oh but if I lie about it maybe I'll get like a parental relationship that I want I think he was I think he probably had a lack of confidence or like some fear like what do you think was that initial like Mm
1: -hmm. bend
0: or temptation towards deception
1: yeah I mean I think it was you know the external pressure too of seeing people Mm -hmm. in deep pain And I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. because what we see in him is compassion. We don't see, we see confusion, but we also see compassion Mm -hmm. in him where he's like, oh, crap, I'm in this impossible Mm -hmm. situation with these people. And Mm -hmm. because his belief system is I don't matter at all. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the narrative he carries in every situation. I I don't Mm -hmm. matter enough to this girl. I didn't matter enough to my mom. I didn't matter to anybody, you know, in this Mm -hmm. apple orchard. I didn't, I don't matter. I didn't, you know, apple orchard, but wherever he was at that, (laughs) park where he almost took his life. You know, those things is I don't matter. So he probably thought it doesn't matter what I do. Like the lie had been so deceptive, yeah. but I imagine that behind it is is the motivation of like it, it wouldn't matter because I don't matter. And, yeah. you know, that may have been a means of testing that. I don't think, you know, I don't know how mm-hmm. deep this is really rolling, but right, I do right. think that we all do that. We all yeah. carry in the lies or the belief systems into situations that if undealt with, we act upon it. So mm-hmm. what do they, what does he do? Like the, the thing is to go after the thing, the root of it all, you know, the root yeah. of his anxiety, the root of his pain, the root of his hiding, the root of mm-hmm. these dysfunctions that he's picked up. They're mm-hmm. all survival mechanisms and they're all yeah. him in some way. Like we right. all do in the world seeking to find the remedy. Like, right. well, maybe this will work. Well, maybe, maybe yeah. fantasy is enough. You know, Maybe mm-hmm. like, Maybe this way of hiding is gonna be sufficient and yeah. It's it's beautiful because culturally it's happening all over the place all the time. Yeah. Everyone can yeah. relate to that reaching. It's just will they find the answer? And obviously the answer is being healed at a core level by the only person who can heal you, you know, which is yeah. Jesus. So it's him coming right. into your hiddenness and calling
0: you into the yeah. light. Right. Which is actually so interesting. I was thinking about this. I actually think I was listening to one of the recent Bridgetown sermons. Um, But like this idea that Adam and Eve, like their temptation to hide was out of a result of like them all of a sudden realizing that they were naked, Mm
1: -hmm. which
0: is interesting because like Mm -hmm. sin entering into the world didn't make them any more naked than they were before. Like they were always naked they were always exposed before god yeah but sin is what introduced them it was introduced shame into the picture it was like yeah yeah like god and adam and eve were were existing in perfect harmony and they were exposed like god saw all of them and that's like totally i feel like emblematic of like god and and humanity was existing harmoniously and vulnerably before one another until sin entered mm-hmm. the picture and then sin entered the picture. And then all of a sudden it was, a it was their awareness of their nakedness that brought shame. They weren't, they weren't right. all of a sudden naked. Yep. Yeah. Which is so interesting. Um,
1: yeah. Sin has a lens, you know what I mean? And yeah. it, it affords yeah. you, it forces you to look at yourself and at the, rather than the mm-hmm. creator, the one who created mm-hmm. you, who names you. And it's a renaming. And that's, I mean, right. you, I think in the garden, that was it. It was like, we're the, for whatever reason, they picked up some kind of narratives that were, you know, were the broken ones. We, we, something, had, something has broken, so we have to cover that brokenness. And, and yeah. so when, when, you know, God enters back into the garden, it's his way of saying, you don't even have the final authority to name yourself. Like, only I mm-hmm. do. And so I'm coming back in to restore your name. restore dignity Mm -hmm. there's consequence but but there is never a lack of me not affirming the truth about who you are you know so
0: right it's powerful and i mean it's all of us (laughs) i mean the story it's it's amazing it's like the story of being found post sin is the story of the garden of eden like Mm
1: -hmm. is
0: the story of all of us it's being yeah you know, it's like that it's like the interesting thing that I think like a Christ like a person who was raised in the church kind of like goes into. I think that there's this moment of reconciliation of like, oh wait. I like am horrible. Like I am such I am like the worst of these, like Paul says. Like I am such a sinner and I and I think I thought up till now that God loved me and I was a Christian because I did all these like great things. And I think we all have these periodic moments, some bigger, some smaller, of like ugh like i'm so ashamed like i yes. there's something innate to me there's something a part of me that makes me so embarrassed before the lord yeah um but then he seeks us like and he and he finds us in that and i think those are actually some of the most which is interesting because i think that like nakedness in general as we see thematically even romantically like that is actually where the moments of the most intimacy are found is like yeah. not when you're not when you're like resolving to accept one another for anything other than your most vulnerable self. Right. Yeah. Um, which I think is really, I mean, that's like so meta. This is like a, I know. a musical, but like, it it's is. true. It's true. Um, yeah. So amazing. Okay. I think we're going to wrap up. I want to ask one more question though. Yes. To you, please. Bethany. <laughs> LOL. I'm saying we're going to wrap up. This question is so loaded. Um, <laughs> But what – if if you could, you know, say this in a summary or in a, just a, a conversation that's not, mm-hmm. like, six hours long. Yeah. What do you think the show – what do you think the show, like, says about anxiety? Like, what do you think mm-hmm. would be different about the show if Evan didn't have, like, clinical anxiety that he was medicated for? Mm-hmm. Like if he was just a normal kid who just felt left out.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think the, and I want to be careful here because, you know, we all experience anxiety. All of us do at some Mm -hmm. level. It's Mm -hmm. born out of fear. It's born out of a detachment from the reality of the kingdom of God. Like it is. And Mm -hmm. I mean that, I don't mean that as an indictment. I mean that Mm -hmm. as like, this is part of the real world that we live in. And it's about us Mm -hmm. continually integrating Mm-hmm. What the truths are from the kingdom, it's hard work to do. So I don't know. I think you know one of the things that comes to mind is that anxiety, you know, we know this psychologically, and we know this just relationally, that when we're anxious in relationship, we our speed is very different. You know, our mm-hmm. reaction and our pace in pursuing, in being curious and Trying to cover ourselves up and surviving, it changes. Mm-hmm. You know, anxiety mm-hmm. drives up in, um our pace. And that then leads to questions, you know, decisions being made or reactions driving a narrative as opposed to a deeper response to something. It just moves us faster. So when I think about it in this context, it's like, what if Evan didn't have anxiety? Would he have been slower? You know, would he have had access more to his person when confronted by Connor's parents and said like, Mm -hmm. wait, you know, as opposed to being driven to go like, I got to make a decision. I got to pull, I got to pull the shirt. What do they need? What, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a speed to it that I think would Mm -hmm. have changed the game. It it would change how he entered into the spaces he was confronted with. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a reality, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. there's invitations, all of the scriptures not to be anxious but we all know it's a yeah. it's a deep work or to cast our anxiety onto god it's a mm-hmm. deep work to do but mm-hmm. i think the invitation is there because god knows it's real <laughs> because god knows in this mm-hmm. world in his words we'll we'll have tr- these troubles and so what do we do with these things you know we mm-hmm. aren't anxious about anything but he says we're to pray about everything and all of that is pace language to me all of that is about the pace we're meant to keep and, mm-hmm. you know, anxiety is frenetic and there's a, a different flow for the spirit. Yeah. There's a different ease about the spirit of God. So I think it just would have resulted in a million different, you know, um, outcomes. But I think overall, he probably wouldn't have been in the situation he was in. You know, when all of us feel traumatized and right. pain, even this week, I just was super triggered at the beginning of this week in my stuff mm-hmm. still, you know, i a million years later and I'm still activated and sped up you know, and anxious, and it just took a while to come down, and it took discipline yeah. to not respond out of that place of being triggered, you know, yeah. and and just respond in, with a sound mind as much as I could with the help yeah. of the Holy Spirit, but we all live it. It's just, there's a real power to
0: it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I never thought about it that way. I've, well, I probably had, but like, just the, pa- the pace of the Spirit of God, or the... Um, yeah, just the the speed with which God often deals with us and yeah. in us, I think is, yeah, like you said, a deep work probably requires, and not to say that God can't, like, change a heart immediately. I think he, he can. He his, sure. his spirit can do that. And that's a whole, like, different way to testify to the goodness of God. Yeah. But I think a unique way to testify to the goodness of God is, like, a slow, deep, under-the-surface work that requires, like, foundational surrendering of like okay this is where my heart is and this is my tendency yeah well and i think about the speed with which adam and eve probably covered themselves they weren't like oh i'm naked now uh whatever i guess i'll find some leaves when i get to it they were like oh my gosh get me hidden now yep
1: um yeah
0: yeah so that's a really interesting point but bethany thank you so much for coming on the show i feel like i probably we could have chatted about this for yeah, like way, way longer, but um, for
1: sure. It's I amazing. Mean, you and I, we're friends, so that's a, <laughs> it's an easy thing yes. to do.
0: Yes, that's so fun, amazing. Well, okay, tell the people if they wanted to like hear more of what you do, of kind of the the work that you get to do with Bridgetown, or um, yeah. Otherwise, I know that you recently went or completed like a silence and solitude kind of am I butchering this, the silence and solitude course? You're not butchering
1: it. No, I mean, Ah. I'm in a, I am in a cohort,
0: uh, now
1: a year and a half of like spiritual formation cohort. So I just did one of my weekends of silence and solitude. (laughs) So yes, I appreciate the recognition though. Yes. It's a big task. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing that. That's like a continual work I'm doing just, because I need it and I want to be faithful and I want to go deeper with Jesus. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I am, you know, I'm here at Bridgetown and so much of what we're rolling out in the fall as it pertains to spiritual formation and integrating leadership development for our leaders and then teaching occasionally on Sundays, I'll be teaching the next few weeks um, is what I get to do. And I am, yeah, just so grateful to get to be a part of this community, but also get to connect with people to get to connect with people like you and people in your podcast. It's a gift
0: amazing you're a gift to us well thank you so much bethany we look forward to watching and listening to more of your work and hearing all of that good good voice and speech training that you've gotten over the years
1: (laughs) yeah i mean Uh, honestly the articulation's tough these days because my brain is completely kaput at this point so (laughs) (laughs) no you're good i'll I'll work on the diction and be sure to be uh, as theatrical as i possibly can
0: Fantastic. Oh, we can't wait. Well, thank you so much again, Bethany. We love you and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. You You will be found. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. If you enjoyed, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with your friends. We release new episodes every week. To keep up with what we've got going on, you can follow us on Instagram at nwaybway and head over to our website nwaybway.com for even more resources to help equip you as followers of Jesus and artists. We'll see you next time.